What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez. We are going to finish our Dog Days of Summer series between the three of us because we have live sports and we have a lot that we need to get to. So we are just going to go ahead and knock this out of the park. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Murph. Murph, say what's up to the people, Murph. What is up, my people? I feel like it's been weeks since I've been on the mic. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm pretty sure that a lot of our listeners have appreciated that. Tino, what is up, Tino? How are you today? What's good, Mage? People are used to hearing our voice now, at least this week, because we just dropped an episode yesterday on my show, and then now we're here again. Here we are. Just when they thought we were out, we're right back here. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to give the people what they want, man. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at the mage underscore NFL. You can follow Murph when not suspended on Twitter at one Murph blue. And you can follow Tino on Twitter at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. Make sure you follow us on all your major platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Murph and the mage. As someone who's never been suspended on Twitter, it's an honor to be in the presence of Murph. Uh, this is the first time I'm on the show with him getting suspended. I don't know if this is a frequent occurrence, but one of many, I assume. Well, Murph has actually been good for quite some time. Like we're talking over a year. You know, when I met Murph, it was constantly like follow, unfollow, follow, unfollow. And I had no idea why. And every time I went to his page, it just was non-existent. So he's been very good since we actually started the podcast. So I will give him that. Do you want to tell any, everybody what I'm you're just fucking sick for? of the negativity in this world, bro? That's all it is. Man, fuck. Like, everybody wants to cancel football before they even give it a fucking chance. Yeah, but you didn't get suspended for telling, saying that to someone. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, this fucking Bears beat reporter, I think he's a beat reporter, was trying to uh, say – quote unquote, if you think there's a college football season, I have a bridge to sell you. So as Murph always does, responded and said, <laughs> go jump off that bridge, clown. And a couple <laughs> hours later, there we are. Dunzo, fried. Can't even send you guys fucking memes in the group chat. Oh man, I, I, I love that so much, man. So you violated the, the rules of Twitter by encouraging someone to commit suicide. That's what you got That's, you know, Hey man, Murph, he was selling the bridge. In Murph's <laughs> defense, when your parents told you when you were growing up, if if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it? That's not them encouraging suicide. It's just it's a figure of speech, Murph. That's all it was. He was just being figurative. I'm well aware and I was being an asshole as, as <laughs> Um, that, is, that is the environment that we live in nowadays, though, is everybody is sensitive. Everybody's, you know, you have to be aware of everything. But I digress. Let's move on. So let's start with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think there's much to talk about here with the quarterback situation. They still have Kirk Cousins. Not much is going to change here. But we do have some developments in the backfield and also with the wide receiving core. So whoever wants to take this first. Dalvin Cook possibly holding out week one. I mean, what's the outlook here for the backfield in Minnesota? So I've bought all Alexander Madison stock I could because of this scenario. Apparently, Cook is going to report. We'll see. I'm not sure if he's actually there yet. I haven't followed it too closely. 
But the point is, apparently he's going to play regardless of the contract. I'm not sold on that sentiment. And um, especially with someone of injury history of his past, I would definitely walk the tightrope a little slowly and make sure I get paid before I play this season. But in regards to the Vikings receiving core, I think there's a lot to be excited about, especially in terms of young talent. Uh, someone I'm going to start off with, it's not going to be Justin Jefferson, but I think Irv Smith Jr., he's a tight end, but I would expect to see him a lot in the slot. Let's um, fucking go. Yeah, man. Irv Smith Jr. is a guy that I've been following since college. I think he's a great player, and I think he's going to fit this offense opposite of Rudolph very well. So it's interesting you said that, man, because so I have seen some stuff about him sliding out to the slot. You're hoping for that too? Yeah, he, he's sure-handed, and I think even though they have two tight end sets and that's what he was getting on the field for, for the most part, towards the tail end of last year, you saw him to saw him kind of step out and get into that slot role. With yeah. Jefferson, Thielen, and him in the slot, even with Rudolph taking up space in the middle, I think it frees up a lot of targets for him and a guy like Justin Jefferson because Thielen's a lot to handle in himself. Yeah, I mean – they took the guy in the second round, so um, he's going to get on the field. And honestly, I was really stumped when they re-signed uh, Rudolph to the extension. So it only makes sense that they're sliding him out there. But I agree with Thielen. Um, he's going to be – I don't know, though, man. Like, him sliding into that number one role, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't. I sold my stocks in him. Um, and not because of that. I sold my stocks because of his age, and I was getting my team to be younger. But um, I, I just don't really like him in that number one role. He, he hasn't sold it to me either. The thing is, I can't deny the fact that he's a hardworking, homegrown talent there in Minnesota, and they definitely like trying to give him the opportunities. He's going to start as wide receiver one. That's for sure. I mean, you lock that in. Whether the production is going to be there or not, we'll see. But that'll only free up more targets if he's not getting the job done for Irv Smith Jr. and Justin Jefferson. Well, how do you guys feel about Kevin Stefanski moving on how do you picture this offense this year? Because obviously it's going to be a different look. Well, Kubiak's there, right? And I believe when Kubiak got there, he got his hands on top of the offense a little bit with Stefanski as well. Obviously, he Stefanski has had his role, but I don't, I don't think much is going to change. It was working for them. They're a ground and pound offense. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook situation is going to come into play. Um, you know, you were talking about that earlier. If it were any other year, I would probably say he would not be holding out, but I, it's not going to shock me. So um, I don't think the offense is going to really miss a beat. Um, obviously, they're going to miss digs, but regardless, they have to run the ball because they have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. There's no way you can really do much other than do that because he's a play-action type of quarterback. He's not a let's just get in the gun and he's just going to sling it. He can't do that. He has to feed off his offense. So as much as you have weapons around him, even when there was digs and Thielen, you were never going to say, let's just get Cousins in the, sh- in the shotgun other than like third and long and let him air it out. It's just not going to happen. They have to run the ball early in downs. If this offense is going to move the ball at all, which it struggles to do at times, even when they were full strength last year. So somebody asked me the question, who do I think will be this year's Darren Waller? So, and two tight ends came to mind. Irv Smith Jr. was one of them. And TJ Hawkinson, I think, is the other one, uh, simply based on volume. Uh, who they have there based on availability. So I really like Irv Smith Jr. a lot this year. So what do you guys think about the defense staying in the NFC North? And they got two of the best in the Vikings and the Bears. Well, they're able to lock up Anthony Harris, I believe, right? Or did was that a franchise tag? Either or, they, they're able to keep him on the roster. Um, 
you know, that was one of the best defense in the NF- NFC last year. I, I just, there's something about the Vikings to me, man. Like, I, I don't know if it's the offense or um, I feel like they have the pieces on defense, but they, I just don't get excited about them. I think you're right. Cause the Vikings have had the same defense for quite some time now. And it's like, why haven't they been as predominant and overpowering as they should be with Anthony Barr? You have a guy like Harrison Smith and for whatever reason, they're just, just not a team you want to really root for. And that, that might just be me, but when they're in the playoffs, the past two seasons, when they beat the saints, if that was two seasons ago, well, they beat the saints last year. They've beat them twice now. Anyways, in the heartbreaking fashion, they've beaten them And I'm not a saints fan by any means, but I definitely wasn't rooting for the Vikings in that scenario, and I was very surprised they even pulled out those wins. Yeah, well, the Vikings also lose a pass rusher as well in Everson Griffin. So did did he resign somewhere else? No, not yet. He's actually still a free agent. Gotcha. Yeah, they still have Daniel Hunter there, uh, Eric Kendricks, who's felt like he's played there forever. So I agree with you, Murph, in terms of it being a good defense but not one that really moves the needle for a lot of people. So staying in the NFC North, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. I mean, man, what are they doing at fucking quarterback? Mitch Trubisky, well, I I have my own takes on Mitch Trubisky, but I'll pass the mic over to you too. What a disappointment, man. That Super Bowl window for that team shut so fast. Um, I think it's over personally for me. I don't think that defense is anywhere – close to what it was when it was uh, Super Bowl already. The uh, the quarterback situation is going to be a, a tricky one because, you know, they, they spent a little capital to move up and get Mitch, and he hasn't been able to do anything. And honestly, I'm not big on Foles. I mean, I think Foles is a system guy. He's going to do well in the right system. But uh, when Matt Nagy's running your system, I'm not sure that that's going to be the best for you. But – then again, I'm a little biased because he fucked me over in fantasy last year all year long. I'm going to defend the defense here. And I think a big part of it, and I know it's not just one player, but they missed a significant player in that defense for a long period of time last year in Akeem Hicks. And he's a beast. I think he's one of the most versatile defensive ends. He's inside, outside, and really sets the tone up front for uh, this defense. And it definitely makes Khalil Mack's job a lot easier when teams have to, have to double-team Akeem Hicks and you get one-on-one opportunities for Cleo Mack. So I think that was a big part of it. I know their linebacking core was shaken up a little bit. Same with the secondary. Kyle Fuller had a terrible year. Um, Eddie Jackson is still Eddie Jackson. But I think Roquan Smith has a lot of promise there in the middle. And I think if those linebackers really take a step up and the secondary somehow holds contained long enough for Khalil Mack to get in and pick up double-digit sacks this season, I think they definitely have a, a successful bounce-back year. All right, moving on to the running back situation, David Montgomery. So this was somebody that was highly touted in fantasy circles last year. Uh, You know, he was in a Matt Nagy offense. A lot of people expected him to kind of fill that same role that Kareem Hunt did. What is your expectations for David Montgomery in year two? Let's start with Steven. I have zero expectations. Major, I asked you this earlier this week, actually, because I have no idea what's going on with the running back situation. I think – Tariq Cohen is an overlooked player that, yes, he's undersized, but he obviously shows he can do a lot of things on the football field and do it pretty well. When he played the Giants two years ago, I saw the guy tear us up for a 30-point fantasy day, threw a touchdown pass. I mean, he was all over the field. Then you go to last year, and he barely touched double digits once, and it was just baffling, and I couldn't really understand it. And most of it was because they had Montgomery, who I feel like they really couldn't get going. 
I know they were feeding him touches at the goal line and he was not getting them through. Can they sit through another season doing that? I don't think so. I think that entire team is on the hot seat. So I have zero expectation for Montgomery right now. And I'm really hoping that Tariq Cohen could actually take a step up and maybe get some more looks in a naggy offense that's complicated as shit to begin with. Well, the problem with uh, David Montgomery last year is that he would have four consecutive rushes for 40 yards, and then they would fucking sit him for 20 minutes. It didn't make sense at, at all. Like, I had no idea. Like, you never take a hot player off the field, right? If a player is churning out 10 yards per carry, keep them on the fucking field. Keep running the ball. Wear down defenses. I have no idea what the hell Matt Nagy was doing. Uh, I'm with you, Mage. You know, I'm a running back guy with you too, especially in fantasy. And um, I, I invested some time in watching the Bears last year, and I was super disappointed in M- Matt Nagy. Um, everybody talks about the offensive magician he is, Andy Reid guy, this and that. He just reminded me of Pat Shermer, man. He just couldn't call a game to save his life. Um, just like you said, he would get a hot player going. Monty would be going. And I saw Monty make a couple of nice catches, too, out in the slot. And uh, he would just sit him. And it doesn't make any sense because Tariq and him complement each other really well, in my opinion. Um, Monty was not a pass-catching back in college. He only caught 70 balls in three years. So – you know, I think for Monty, I think he has it, but a lot of it comes from his coaching. And um, I don't know too much about their O-line, but from what I understand, I don't think it's very great. So um, Monty's definitely got his work cut out for him. The O-line's gotten a lot worse. And, again, the only games I've seen from the Bears last year, they were doing way too much offensively. They had the two running backs in the backfield. Mitch had no idea what the fuck was going on half the time, whether that's because – he can't adapt to it or it's too much or none of it fucking works to begin with. It's to be seen this year because I think Foles, if Mitch can't figure it out and Foles still can't figure it out, there's obviously a bigger issue there than just the quarterbacks getting it right. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky last year, it, there was one pitcher that has circulated the internet and it's the one pitcher where the entire team has parted like the Red Sea and there's one wide receiver sitting in the end zone and Mitch Trubisky does not see him at all. And I think it was uh, Frank the Tank, Murph, that actually said that. He's like, Moses couldn't have parted a better Red Sea like for Mitch Trubisky to throw through. And it just goes to show, and I saw this time and time again last year, he just lacks that quarterback vision. It throws into traffic. Like, he's not aware of the situation. And I don't think he's very good at reading the defense. I mean, so – my outlook for him isn't very high beyond this year. I know a lot of people are saying that they're probably going to give him a shot to try to win the job, but let's not forget they traded for Nick Foles. Nick Foles is still old, owed some money. So, so stop Foles, right there. Who wins the job, Mage? And then don't say anything. I'm going to say Nick Foles is the starter week one. Tina? I'm going to go Mitch. Deciding vote, Murph. Who finishes the season with more starts? I think it's Nick Foles. I don't think Mitch gets the job back. I don't. It, I agree it, with Mage. It, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Right? I agree with Mage. And um, I, I had read a couple of months back that Nick Foles was just balls to the wall with the playbook and had that shit down months ago. I'm so just going to cut in, and I understand in terms of talent. But last I checked, Nick Foles was supposed to be the next uh, – carrier of the torch over in Jacksonville and he got hurt almost instantaneously and shit hit the fan. I this agree man, with that. He can start. Me- He's got some miles on him. I just would 
pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not saying Mitch is going to be there further than this year. I just think I wouldn't be surprised with how this season's going to go that if you see Mitch out there more often than you think. And I agree with that just because of the uncertainty of this offseason to an extent. But is Ryan Pace still there? I believe he is, right? The one who traded up to draft Trubisky. He's on his way out, in my opinion. So usually the GM's decision is usually made off of if they made a shitty decision at quarterback. Mage? Here's my thing, to you know, right? If you have a team like the Chicago Bears that are built around their defense, they traded for Khalil Mack, right? The one thing that the quarterback on a team with a strong defense needs not to do is turn the fucking football over. Mitch Trubisky is a turnover machine. He's awful. He can't keep the offense out there long enough. The defense gets winded because they don't have long enough drives. All they need is a smart quarterback. Yes, I agree with you. Nick Foles might have some mileage on him. Nick Foles was getting his ass scraped off the turf when they were in St. Louis, right, with the concussions. He got hurt. All he has is the Super Bowl. That's it. But again, coming from Andy Reid's system with Matt Nagy, I think that he thinks he can make it work with Nick Foles. And all you need from Nick Foles is just to be Alex Smith, right? Just don't turn over the football. Just don't do anything stupid with it. Nick Foles will probably have maybe 3,000, 3,200, 3,500 yards, something like that. He's not going to be a 5,000-yard passer. He's just not. And all the Bears really essentially need is a holdover because neither one of them are going to be the future there, in my opinion. Mitch is done after his contract, unless he makes some crazy stride this year. And Nick Foles is Nick Foles, man. So the Bears could easily be drafting a quarterback next year. From a football perspective, I just look at it as you bring in the best of the best backup quarterbacks there really is out there, other than what Teddy was, especially with Teddy now being out, but uh, being a starter. But he's the best of the best in terms of backup quarterbacks. I think for that GM, who's obviously on his way out, you have one make it or break it year with Mitch to figure it the fuck out. And what better way than get a guy behind him who's probably going to take his job anyways, but to kind of give him that push. We'll see if it actually goes that way. But a lot of times that's why organizations do that. And so I wouldn't be too surprised if they at least give Mitch the start in week one and just really see how bad it goes from there. Mitch Trubisky had three fucking years to figure it out. Yeah, three but they, years. They, they could have, they should have beat the Eagles that one year. They should have been a playoff winning team. And yes, it's because of the defense. But my point is that that's their young franchise quarterback that they passed on Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and all this shit for. They already look stupid. You're not going to just kick them to the curb because you have. Yes. No- yes, you do. Because two wrongs don't make a right. And we, <laughs> and we saw this with Dave Gettleman. I'm telling you, Dave Gettleman did this with the New York Giants. He signed Omame. It didn't work out. He cut him in the same fucking season that he signed him. I give credit to those GMs that can say, hey, look, you know what? I tried. I failed. It's time to move on. And I think that's where the Bears are at with Trubisky. He's got to save his job, man. You're right. If if they honestly believed in him, they would have gave him the fifth-year deal. It would have been cheaper than what he might be on the open market. Give them another year to look at him then. I think come this time next year, Mitch Trubisky is a backup quarterback. A thousand percent, but you also don't save your job. A thousand percent, but... You don't sign a backup quarterback like Nick Foles to save your job is my point. That's it. That's all I'm saying. I don't think Mitch is a great quarterback either. I just think the whole scenario there is more likely in favor of Mitch getting more starts 
than Foles based on who needs it more. Mitch has to get the time and get the look because, yes, he had three years, but this is it. If he's not, he's a backup for the rest of his career. So I think they're going to give him the first go and see where it goes from there. I don't have the transactions up, but was, was Jameis Winston released after the Bears traded for Nick Foles? I believe so, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then what about Teddy Bridgewater? He was a free agent from the start, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, but when did they trade for Nick Foles? Before he started free agency? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken, but that's fine. But again, it, so to your point, if they, in fact. March 18th. It, and what was free agency? I know that's right around that time. It's about, right? Yeah, it's on the cusp of it. It's usually I think around it, like the 15th or something. Yeah, because I remember Plaxico Burris chose number 17 because it was signed on March 17th, my birthday. So, hmm. so uh, just to top that off a little bit, Ryan Pace's contract is up after next year. So that man needs to save his job. So I don't think he's going to be afraid to put in a quarterback that he traded for, for sure. All right, so let's move on from the terrible quarterbacks in Chicago who have a history of it with uh, Rex Grossman being another Super Bowl starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. But the wide receivers for this team, we have Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Corderell Patterson. Uh, who else do we have there? Riley Willie, who they drafted last year? All bums. None of it matters. None of that All bums. Don't even mention Jimmy Graham either. Jimmy it is, Graham? It is Allen Robinson, maybe take a flyer on Cole Komet late, and anybody who's an Anthony Miller stand, I'm not buying it at all. I'm not here for it. Leave it somewhere else. It's all uh, – I mean, this is a disaster of a wide receiver room, man. Unless – if they need Anthony Miller to really work out because they had high expectations for him. Cordero Patterson, I mean, he's not – he's barely even a wide receiver. I know a lot of people are kind of big on stashing Darnell Mooney. I don't know much about him. Um, Riley Ridley, I think they got expectations for him. Well, that's what I was saying earlier to um, our friend Chris in the uh, group chat. Who do we expect to step up this year? Riley Ridley was one of those guys for me because if the Bears happen to move on from Allen Robinson, I think they're going to be looking for that next guy internally. So I, they might need the they might need him, man. I mean, yeah. they need Anthony Miller to be something or they have one receiver. And I agree with you both. Anthony Miller, for me, is kind of in that Corey Davis kind of territory, right? Like, everybody's always like, oh, this year, this year, it's Anthony, Anthony Miller's year. And it just never seems to come to fruition. So, you did mention Cole Komet, though, Tino. I mean, how are we feeling about him? I know that he has a little bit of a college pedigree, but let's face it, he is with the Chicago Bears. Are we expecting much from him? Uh, maybe not this year. That's why I'd say I'd stash him. I really like his build for tight end and rookie tight ends normally never pop anyways. So you mean after they get rid of Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. Or whenever they get rid of Matt Nagy too, when they have a normal offense that utilizes tight ends because Jimmy Graham's usage last year was terrible as well. And any tight end before that wasn't so great either. So I think that team really tries to rely on their running backs to get their offense going, but They don't really do a good job at that either, so that's why the offense also stinks. Aside from the quarterbacks stinking. I'm a big Cole Komet fan. I liked watching him last year, but my my concerns with him is he really didn't do anything until his junior year in college last year. Um, He caught all of his touchdowns last year. He only caught 60 balls his whole career, um, 700 yards. So uh, I think he's got the mold to be a good tight end. I really had high expectations for him. I really wanted the Giants to draft him um 66 262 he's got it all it's just whether he can put it together 
Um, but damn, he did look pretty good in Notre Dame's offense this last year. 60 balls last year. Murph has caught more than that in a weekend. <laughs> no, 60 balls in his career, man. In his career. Still, makes, it makes your feet even that much more impressive, Murph. That's like a week for me. Spring break has nothing on Cole Komet. Yeah, but, um, dude, all in all, this offense is pretty bland. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I'm not very excited about anybody but Monty and A-Rob. No, and Mitch Trubisky. But You're fucking crazy. <laughs> Let's move on to another team that really excites Murph. Staying in the NFC, we'll move over to the West. The Los Angeles Rams. Murph, I'm going to let you start with this one. Man, the Rams are the definition of what you don't do. The last couple of years, dude, I mean, obviously they had the talent there. They had the roster. They had the magician at coach who Bill Belichick broke in half in the Super Bowl, but we'll get to that. Um, they're heading for cap hell, man, and there's nothing else, nobody else's fault, but Less needs for signing Jared Goff to that massive contract and letting Sean McVay just run the entire show. I mean, yeah, Sean McVay is a good offensive coordinator, but they made him out to be something he's not. I mean, he's no Mike, he's no Kyle Shanahan in my book. Um, I just, I think giving Goff that extension really broke that team and then trading for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I just, they're in, they're going downhill now with all these guys on the books. Well, Ramsey was the straw that broke the camel's back for sure. I mean, that's absolutely that was the icing on the cake. Not even because of his attitude. I know he has that, but they also knew what he was going to demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the thing with golf is we talk about it on the show all the time. Eventually, when you have to pay your young quarterback, your team's going to get in flux and things are going to change. And you're obviously not going to have the plethora of talent that you once had. But I think you're right in saying that they're in a lot of trouble. And I like to used to describe the Rams as the best worst team to make a Super Bowl in the last couple of years. I think really, I knew they were going to get smoked by the Pats. They didn't get smoked, but it wasn't a very good showing. They didn't. They got broken, dude. They they scored three points, right? So, I mean, they didn't get smoked, but they also didn't score a touchdown. So I don't think that's much better. So they were easily the best worst team to have made a Super Bowl recently. And, you know, aside from Aaron Donald covering up a lot of holes, I don't love this defense really anymore. Michael Brockers is great, but I think they're very top-heavy. I think it's obvious that they're top-heavy. They have exciting fantasy guys, you know, skills-wise to look forward to watching. But other than that, I don't really jump for joy watching the Rams play. Well, here is the most unsatisfying thing about everything that you guys just said, right? So Jared Goff is counting for about $29 million towards the cap this year quarterback that's actually not that bad right so when you consider what Dak Prescott's looking for Mahomes he's actually probably on a a bit of a discount here Aaron Donald 25 million dollars is he worth it yes right but Jalen Ramsey they haven't even signed yet that's the problem so they have Andrew Whitworth who in all reality this will probably be his last season but Outside of that, they don't have anybody really making that much money, right? So they have Tyler Higby, who they just signed. He's he's signed for about $9 million. Robert Woods is making about $8 million, which is a steal for Robert Woods. You're forgetting Todd Gurley, bro. Yeah, but That Todd- started the whole train for all this. And then, like yeah. Tino said, trading for Ramsey was the camel that broke. I mean, dude, they paid Tyler Higby. I know they didn't get a lot of dough, but, like, come on. You're not spending your money smart. They gave they gave Leonard Floyd five mil guarantee. Six. 
Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, his contract is six point six. But so it, the other thing is too. Next year, head into next year, they, it, there's thirty six million dollars in dead money now that should come off the cap though. So that'll give him some flexibility. Brandon Cooks is accounting for twenty one point eight million against the dead cap. Gurley is eleven point seven. Then you got Clay Matthews and John Franklin Myers who aren't accounting for much. So I think that they'll be okay. I think what they did was pay their two top guys. And then they went ahead and they got the cornerback. So, I mean, right now that team cap space is nothing. And then it all depends what happens next year, whether or not that cap goes down. Just a weird team, man. It is. And Ever I, since it, they fired Will Phil- Wade Phillips. So let's compare them to the other team that you brought up in the NFC West. You brought up Kyle Shanahan, right? So here is the difference that I've been saying about the Rams versus the 49ers. Where has Kyle Shanahan spent most of his draft capital? Anyone? On the offense? Defense. On the defensive side of the ball, right? Nick Bosa, Buckner. He spent his defense, he spent his draft capital on the defensive side of the ball, right? So, but he trusts himself enough to say, I'm an offensive genius. I am going to run this team and I'm going to do it with mediocre talent. I'm going to invest my draft capital on the side that I have nothing to do with. I'm going to make sure I load up that defense with the best players I possibly can because I'm confident in my ability. And I think we see this way too often with these offensive geniuses who load up on offensive talent, Chip Kelly, right? Sean McVay. Now the Rams had a great defense. They just couldn't keep it together long enough because they traded for players, Marcus Peters, uh, Akeem Talib they had at one point. They bring them in, but these are all stars. You can't keep these players. You have to draft them. And that's what went south for their defense real quick, is that they had a lot of all-stars, and none of it was homegrown talent except for Aaron Donald. So you kind of reap what you sow. But let's move on. I think we talked about Jared Goff. Let's talk about this backfield a little bit. Unless anybody wants to add anything about Jerry Goff, I know that Murph has a hard on for Cam Akers. So Murph, why don't you go ahead and uh, start the running backs? All right, ladies. So honestly, probably moving on from Todd Gurley was one of the smarter decisions that the Rams could have made as as of late. Um, but yes, as Mace said, I am a big Cam Akers fan. Watch a lot of ACC football. Um, I. <laughs> I did say that I kind of felt like he was the next Dalvin Cook. But, I mean, come on, man. The dude put up 2,800 yards in three years, um, 27 TDs, and also caught 69 balls. Yeah, your favorite number, Mesh. Um, I don't know that they're going to necessarily just hand Cam Akers the job week one. Um, I know Mesh's sleeper of last year, Daryl Henderson, is still there. They took a flyer on him. But, dude, honestly – from a fantasy perspective, the biggest threat in this backfield for vulturing points is going to be Malcolm Brown, in my opinion. They're going to give that man the ball on short, short yardage and on the goal line, and that dude's going to vulture Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson, whoever the hell he is, um, all year long, in my opinion. I really like Cam Akers, too, and you're right. Because of how bad Florida State actually was as a team and their offensive line and the fact that he had that many rushing yards and all-purpose yards – is impressive in itself. And I'm high on him too. It's not so much that I'm worried about Malcolm Brown vulturing the touches right away or even at the goal line. I'm just not sure what the whole rookie dynamic 
is on that team because you had Daryl Henderson, who was a rookie last year that everyone was all on, and it seemed like he was going to get a goal around at it, and he didn't. And I don't think he is this year, but again, we're not sure where they value him. I mean, yeah, you waste the pick on Cam Akers, but this could be a three-headed backfield until someone just wins it outright. So really, you're taking flyers on all these guys. They're all young enough. Brown's the most proven and has the most age, so he might actually get the most touches on the box score. But I think it's Akers' jobs to lose, but I wouldn't be surprised if all three of these guys are getting touches until someone does something significant to outshine the other. I agree with you, Tino. And this comes back to what we just said about Kyle Shanahan. I think McVeigh saw it work for Kyle. I think he's going to do something very similar, man, with those three running backs. I agree that I think Cam Akers is going to get the early down work. I think Darrell Henderson is going to have a role in this offense. And I agree that Malcolm Brown can be what we saw, what, two years ago with C.J. Anderson? I mean, and we saw the success that the Rams had with Gurley and then C.J. And then we also saw what Malcolm Brown can do for the little bit of time that he filled in. So that's going to be real interesting. But I agree with you, Tino. I think this is going to be a three-headed monster. So we'll see how that plays out. Do we see them possibly bringing anyone else in? Devontae Freeman, anything? I don't. Again, for the reason that you just said, you know, they can't afford them, Murph. Yeah, yeah. true. This team, again, another one, their window's shut. So what do you all think about the wide receiver position? They moved on from Brandon Cooks. He's down in Houston now. Cooper Cup slides to the one, and you got Robert Woods. I don't know too much about Van Jefferson. I know some people are kind of big on him. And, you know, I always call – on the sleep rap, you can nickname the, the players. And I always nickname Josh Reynolds the garbage man because that dude just comes in and fills in whenever someone goes down in this offense. So, what are we thinking about the wide receiver room? Cooper Cup is the PPR darling. I mean, there's nothing not to like about him. For some reason, with me, I never get sold on Robert Woods despite the production that he's had. I just – last year when I was in the pickle of – picking the three-headed monster they had at receiver when they were all projected the same pick. Cup, Woods, and Cooks. You literally could get them within the same three picks of each other. And I tend to always lead towards Cup. I just feel like he's the more reliable guy despite the injury concerns because I just feel like him and Goff's connection just makes too much sense. And it's very obvious that he has the highest upside on this team. If you know, Even if he's not the wide receiver one on the field, he's going to be utilizing the slot and get the most touches and targets on the team. Yeah, I agree with you, Tino. Robert Woods is just one of those guys that seems to show up every year and produce, but yet at the same time is so disrespected. Um, you know, it, he just doesn't embody what a wide receiver one would be, right? It, he was in, he was a cast off from the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, so he comes over to the Rams and, all of a sudden, he starts putting together these, like, really good seasons, and he hasn't really slowed down at all. So I do think that we're probably disrespecting Robert Woods a little bit. But Cooper Cup, like you said, being a PPR target, um, he's probably going to play in the slot with Woods and Reynolds outside. I mean, if I'm buying anybody in this offense, it's got to be Cooper Cup. It's the touchdowns, too, for me. So Woods only had two touchdowns last year, but in his peak seasons of being with the Rams, first off, he had the career highs of six touchdowns and then five touchdowns. So if he does that again, yeah, sure, I'll buy on Robert Woods. But being that those were the only two seasons he really sniffed that, I just, I'm not necessarily sold on it. And yeah, Cooks is gone, so maybe he gets some more touchdowns. But they paid Tyler Higbee. He might be a goal line guy with all the running backs they have. I just think, 
those end zone targets is going to go somewhere else other than Robert Woods. And a lot of them go to Cooper Cup. Well, staying with the tight ends for a second, who are you buying then? They still have Gerald Everett. They got Tyler Higby, who they just paid. And then they drafted Bryson Hopkins as well. I'm not touching any of them. Um, you know, it's funny because the guys in my home league always go back and forth on Higby and Everett. And I, I don't want anything to do with either one of them, man. I'm not t- honestly, I'm not really touching anyone on this offense besides Woods and Cup. I feel like redraft, you should be able to get either one of those guys later on. I know Higby will probably go like really late flyer to someone who needs a tight end, but in two tight end systems like that in a redraft league, I wouldn't be surprised if you see one of those Rams tight ends just floating around and you could probably pick them up to spot start or even add depth. But I really wouldn't advocate looking for them during a redraft anytime soon. And if it's dynasty, probably Higby just because of the contract and um, the security there and what he did last year. But I would wait and see on Higby, and I really wouldn't buy ever almost anywhere. Well, you talk about the red zone targets and the touchdowns. I think that the tight ends are going to be pretty important here, So, especially a guy like Higby. Now, I picked up Higby late last year off mm-hmm. the waivers, and it worked out for me in, in the playoffs. But, again, I agree with you that I would, I would target Tyler Higby late in dynasty drafts as my second tight end. I'm not taking them in as my first. Or if I completely punt on tight ends, you know, then I, I would look for a guy like him later on. But staying in the NFC West, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. So Kyler Murray, rookie last year, NFL rookie of the year. We all probably agree that Josh Jacobs got robbed. It was Danny Dimes' title if he would have just played 16 games instead of 12 that he played. But – he didn't. So what are we expecting from Kyler Murray in his second year in this air raid offense? You know, for all the talk we were just talking about with these offensive geniuses and whatnot, Cliff Kingsbury has gotten the keys to the kingdom in Arizona. And now you add DeAndre Hopkins and you have this number one overall diverse running back uh, quarterback in Kyler Murray. And my expectation is they better score points. I mean, I'm expecting them to put this thing together. I mean, that's the whole point of it. I feel like Kyler Murray needs to take a step up. I feel like he didn't have as great as a fantasy season as you would have expected from him, or at least where people were taking him in terms of value. I feel like, yeah, he didn't have a good enough season to win the rookie of the year. So I guess that's why the numbers didn't reciprocate that. But I expect points. I think he should take a really big step forward. A lot of people are saying MVP season. I don't know about that. I would more look forward to Kingsbury actually connecting with Murray and Hopkins and just figuring it all out on offense and actually genuine, you know, putting together an offense that can be elite, like a Chiefs style offense. I mean, that's the point of it, right? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because this is something that we just talked about with the Rams and these offensive gurus, and they continue to add pieces and add pieces to the offense. But this one, I'm not going to not. Cliff Kingsbury for because I mean he honestly got DeAndre Hopkins at quite a steal a second round and David Johnson after they obtained Kenyon Drake last year who seemed like a better fit for that offense but and then they invested their first round pick in a defensive player in Isaiah Simmons the dual linebacker so I agree with you and also Cliff Kingsbury you mean Ryan Gosling Jr. so Dude, but what an exciting team, man. Up and coming for sure. Got to be the most exciting up and coming team. That offense, I mean, we all hope it's going to work out. Um, I just can't 
overlook that offensive line though, man. And maybe it's just because I'm a Giants fan and just been there, done that. But obviously Kyler's got the feet to get out of it, which is a benefit for them. Um, Kenyon Drake has been a great success story coming over from Miami, in my opinion. He really broke out of a shell and they really, really figured out the running back position because they fleeced the shit out of Bill O'Brien down in, in uh, Texas. But I really like this defense, man. I really do. And I don't think the Cardinals get enough credit for um, their defense. And they added three starters this offseason in Jordan Phillips, Isaiah Simmons, and Devontre Campbell. But, dude, Chandler Jones, in my opinion, is the most underrated player in the NFL. Murph, I, I really on like that, uh, that sentiment to the Cardinals, D, because they've been pretty terrible the last couple of years. And I think now it's really just been Patrick Peterson's show. And they were really good when he was younger. And then they hit a patch where it was only him. And now they got some talent there. I think Buda Baker really had a good year last year. You Isaiah, know who Isaiah, really ignited that defense for them? Jordan Hicks. Oh, yeah. Yep. He, he was one of the leading tacklers in the NFL. Another beast inside. And I was about to know, Isaiah Simmons, who I was so high on coming in, if he's that hybrid linebacker, he can rush, cover up holes in the inside there. I think he can do it all. I think he could help this defense really piece it all together. I also didn't notice they also signed Devon Kennard, too. So, I mean, yeah, they got some pieces back there for sure. Do we want to talk about the wide receivers then? So, we know that they got DeAndre Hopkins. Behind DeAndre Hopkins, they have Christian Kirk, who a lot of people were expecting. You skipped Larry Legend. He's the number two on the draft, on the depth chart. You can't skip him for Christian Kirk. He's done too much. Really? Really? He has more tackles than drops i love larry but i'm sorry i mean larry is there it, it, just simply you know he, i'm snagging he, him in all late rounds don't give a fuck if it's for a year he's gonna fucking be there when i need him but larry no nah, in fantasy his his averages per game are way down than what it used to be man if you need him for a bye week fine but i i don't know by so weaker injury, can't count on uh, – you can always count on Larry. I've had Larry Fitzgerald on my dynasty team for the last three years, and the year I drafted him, they were like, why are you even bothering? He's too old. And I've defended him every year. I refuse to let anyone throw dirt on his name, fantasy or not. Larry's the fucking legend, and that's just the bottom line of that. So, Well, and and, and – Piggybacking off that, I was real big on Hakeem Butler coming out last year and figured that he was going to actually be Larry's replacement because he's a similar build. Um, do we think that he's going to have any impact on this crowded wide receiver room now? I don't know where Mage stands on it, but I do like the other guys over Butler right now because of Hopkins's entry. I think Andy Isabella or maybe a Keyshawn Johnson is going to get more touches from the inside, whereas Butler is going to have to fight for outside targets. And even though Kirk isn't, an outside guy. He plays there. He might be undersized, but they're, they're comfortable with him playing on the outside. So I don't see Butler really seeing the field much unless there's an injury that pops up. Yeah, I agree with you, Tino, simply because he's going to fight for those outside targets. Moving on then, let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we just got done f- talking about Nick Foles. So now they move on to Gardner Minshew. It's mustache time, right? They have Jay Gruden, 
the former head coach from the Washington football team as the OC now. What are our expectations for Gardner Minshew this year? Honestly, I think Jay Gruden's going to help him out a little bit. Um, Jay Gruden kind of helped Andy Dalton when he was coming into the league kind of start his career. That career kind of ended a little quick. But um, I think Jay's going to be good for that offense. It's going to allow uh, Minshew to get the ball up vertically a little bit. Uh, it's just – it's such a weird time in Jacksonville, man. I mean, you got Jay Gruden, you got Ben McAdoo, you got Leonard Fournette who's on his his way out, and you have a stud young receiver and DJ Chark. I, I don't really know how to feel about Jacksonville. I want Minshew to work out. Like, I think that would be really cool. But at the same time, we all have in the back of their head that they're going to possibly in, be in the Lawrence sweepstakes now. I mean, definitely. And I also think their defense isn't going to stop anyone. They literally gave up everyone relevant on this defense. They handed over Calais Campbell to the Ravens just because for literally a fucking box of Scooby snacks. It's ridiculous. This team has their best player doesn't even want to be there. Um, so that's disintegrated. The, what the Jacksonville Jaguars were known for doesn't exist anymore. Chark is great. Um, I do love his potential. Fournette is a toss-up, but we skipped on the resurgence of Tyler Eifert. Shout out to Tyler Eifert in the Fuck tight no. end room. It's Josh Ooh, Oliver season, out. baby. It's Josh Oliver season? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We're gonna that's Evan Ingram's clone. Is it really? That's what I've been told, man. That's All what right. I've been told. So I buy low. This is why we talk. This is why we have these discussions. I'm over here thinking Tyler Eifert. I mean, I would definitely buy Eifert if you can. Why not? Um, he's probably going to get the first crack, but and then he's probably going to break a bone in his foot by week two. So um, got to think long term, baby. He reminds me of like Gronk when he was having those span of injuries. Like not from a playing standpoint, just from the fact that he's just like every bone in his body is now. Hurt Dude, that that, one, elbow. that foot one, the one that, well, I think it was against the Saints, where his foot basically was literally going the other direction, and he came back from that, dude. <laughs> Warrior, gotta give him credit there. All to play for the Bengals. What a waste. I mean, think about that. Imagine risking it all to play for the Bengals. No, but this offense too. I mean, it's young. Like I said, I think Fournette's probably on his way out, so you might see a little bit of uh, Raquel Armstead possibly get some shares. You know, I had high expectations for D.D. Westbrook. I really liked him when he was at Oklahoma. Um, he didn't necessarily produce last year, but I still think that that ceiling is there for him. Um, and honestly, other than that, I don't know shit about the Jaguars. All right, so fuck the Jags. Let's stay in the South. Let's move over to the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers said, thanks, Cam Newton, so long after they hired Matt Rule and – backed up the Brinks truck for him and gave him a, what was it? A science center, I believe, or some shit like that. So they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. What are we thinking about Teddy Bridgewater in his first year here? I know a lot of people are down on him because of his arm. They did also hire Joe Brady from LSU last year, and they have some talent on this offense. Thoughts? Well, I think Teddy's going to be really reliable. I don't know exactly. Of course, we have the Baylor offense as tape to look at what Matt Rule's offense might look like, but we'll see how he decides to utilize Bridgewater in that. I don't have too much expectation for Teddy because I think if you watch him play last year as a backup for the Saints, you kind of know what you're going to get. I think he's going to follow the game script and do what he can to get Christian McCaffrey the ball because 
in reality, I think this is a two-headed offense of DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson are nice names and flyers in fantasy as receivers, but in terms of solid production guys you can rely on, I think the only two you're looking at right now is Christian McCaffrey, who is do it all, get him the ball, and he's going to score a touchdown from wherever you are in the field. And then DJ Moore, who is 100 receptions, 1,000 yards, probably every year moving forward. As Giants fans know, I'm not too big on Matt Rule and his preacher tendencies. Uh, no, but what it really is is I'm not too big on the Big 12. But you did mention the offense being a little bit of Matt Rule's game tape from Baylor. But honestly, it's probably going to be more of Joe Brady's. Um, I think he's probably going to let Joe, Brady's have, Joe Brady have the keys to this offense. I really like Teddy and, uh, and Superflex for Dynasty. Um, I think he's going to air it out. They're going to be down. The defense is kind of in rebuild a little bit. Um, so I think Teddy's definitely going to be able to let it fly. So let me ask you guys a question then. So Joe Brady comes in. We got noodle arm Teddy, right? Who are you buying on the wide receiving court here? Because this has been a debate for quite some time. Everybody's buying DJ Moore super high. But if it's me, I'm buying a slot receiver who is probably going to be Curtis Samuel, who's kind of flying under the radar. Also, I am also buying Robbie Anderson. I actually have quite a few shares of him. I have a lot of shares of him. But I'm buying him late because of his connection to Matt Rule. This was a guy that Robbie Anderson had came out, basically said, you know, this guy saved my life. He really helped me straighten everything up. This was before he told the cop that he was going to fuck his wife or after. (laughs) For that reason, I'm not buying him. Before he was signed by Carolina. So for me, I'm still buying Robbie because I believe Matt Rule believes in him. So I think Robbie's going to get some looks outside as well. I'm not as high on DJ Moore because of his current ADP. What are your thoughts? Yeah, in terms of ADP, yeah, you always got to consider it. If there's better people available, then sure. But the thing with DJ Moore, and Murph touched on it a little bit, and it's shitty that we reward teams for being terrible in fantasy, but the fact of the matter is the Panthers are going to be down by a bunch of points often. And I just think him being their number one guy, they're just going to feed him the ball. I think Robbie's my two, and I know you're really big on Curtis Samuel. I'm just not sold. I don't think they'll be reluctant or shy away from the fact that they can throw DJ Moore into the slot if they really want to get him the ball. Because I think if they need to get the offense going, they're not going to say, let's get Curtis the ball. I think it's going to be CMC or DJ Moore. Granted, I think when you look at it as, am I going to take DJ Moore late second, early third, you got to see what's available. If it's Dynasty, if you're a Panthers fan, I'll tip my cap and understand. But other than that, I'm not taking him over with some of those big guys, but I do really like him in full point PPR leagues. All right, so what about Ian Thomas at the tight end position? I actually wanted you to talk about that because you had him in your list from last year, didn't you? Ian Thomas? Yeah. I believe I did, did I? Yeah. I don't know much about him, but obviously I know he had some opportunities last year that he didn't take advantage of, um, but they have nothing else, dude. So the rankings that you're talking about, I put out a ranking last year. I like to do – because I focus more on dynasty, so I focus on – Tight ends under 25 years old, outside of the top 15 in ADP. And Ian Thomas was on that list. And I like Ian Thomas. He's young. He's athletic. The problem with him is that there's too many mouths to feed in that offense right now. So although Teddy's game kind of fits a little bit around what 
Ian Thomas's strength will be. However, they do still have Christian McCaffrey, and then they also have other guys that can play in the slot as well. So whereas we talked about Irv Smith Jr., where they don't really have that many weapons, Irv Smith may be a big red zone target, and same thing with Hawkinson. But if you're looking for a tight end in the Dynasty League, I would be okay with Ian Thomas late in those drafts as my second tight end. Or, again, if I punted on tight end, I'd take him as my first. Well, hypothetically, if they adopted that LSU offense that Joe Brady ran, I mean, Thad Moss, he did have a pretty big role in that offense. So if Ian Thomas is – You know what, Murph? That's a really good point, too, because uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would probably almost fill that same role that Christian McCaffrey is now in terms of that receiving back. Yeah, I mean, it's not far off. A lot of moving pieces, and Joe Brady's offense needs speed. The only thing they are missing is a – is a uh, well, they're missing a lot, but from skill set, um, they need a big red zone target, but that'll come with time. Well, and you know, to another point, too, I mean, the wide receiver that everybody talks about being drafted last year out of LSU is who? Justin Jefferson, right? What position did he play on that LSU team? He was a slot wide receiver. So, again, I mean, that's why I think if it's DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel in the slot this year for Carolina. I'm really buying whoever's playing that slot. Yeah, I, I believe it. I, honestly, I'm buying I'm, – I'm taking – I'm probably picking up anyone on this offense just because of what Tino reiterated on. I mean, they're going to be down, dude. So, there's going to be opportunity here. So, for vo- from a volume perspective, I think DJ, Robbie, Curtis, and Ian all have pretty good volume outlook. And, obviously, I really like Teddy, but that's just me. So, moving on, staying in the South, we have Murph's favorite second team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Murph, I know that Tom Brady is your favorite quarterback. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what the Tampa Bay Bucks are getting with them? Tommy boy, man. I think Tommy might be my favorite athlete, honestly. Giants fans cringe when I say that, but... I am a big Tommy fan, but Tommy is done, man. Tommy is done. I am not buying this Bucks hype. Not doing it, dude. Just not saying that Tommy is not an upgrade from Jameis Winston, but I think I'd rather take Jameis Winston's deep ball over Tom Brady's deep ball right now. So from a fantasy standpoint, I think Mike Evans is going to take a little bit of a hit. And Chris Godwin, obviously, is going to get through the roof a little bit. But I just don't believe building teams in the offseason is how, how you go. And uh, the Bucks added Gronk as well. And, I mean, it's just it just screams PR moves to me, man. It, I don't know how you all feel, but I, I'm just not buying it. I buy it more than most people, and I'll tell you why. Because I like their defense a lot. I at least like their front a lot more than most people do. Uh, Sue, Vita Vea, Golston, JPP, Devin White, Levante David, Shaquille Barrett. That's just reading off the inside box. That's a very good box. So then you add that, you give Brady, you add Brady and Gronk. Gronk is on his last leg, whatever. But you keep Brady and Howard, who are system guys, under the same coach. You add Tristan Wirfs, who I was a big believer on. I think he's someone who fell deep, and I couldn't believe that the Bucks managed to get that. So. 
you get that offensive line a little bit better. I think other than running back, which is a wait and see, you have solidified guys in Evans, Godwin, and even someone like Scotty Miller, who you already see videos training with Brady. I think these guys fit what he's going to do very well. And I just wouldn't be surprised. Of course, they're going to have to compete with the Saints. I don't think Atlanta and Carolina are going to compete very much. But I think there's a nine-win team. I think, I think they, they won seven games and Jameis threw 30 interceptions last year. They can easily win nine, ten games. And that, that'll get them in the playoffs. Personally, for me, I believe that Tom Brady comes in and he is both the quarterback and offensive coordinator on this team. I don't think Bruce Arians is telling Tom Brady shit. The problem is you don't have the geniusness of Bill Belichick on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Bill Belichick literally takes plumbers and turns them into stat stuffers. He gets his defense playing. I think New England was the number one scoring defense, right, last year through, like, so many weeks or whatever. I mean, New England's defense, they don't have anybody spectacular on it, but they're always near the top half of the rankings. So I think that's going to be the real issue for Tampa Bay, I think that's where they're going to lose some wins. I think they're going to have to put up points to keep up, um, even though their defense isn't that bad. But it's still not coached by Bill Belichick, and that's where I think the difference is going to be. I think this offense is going to put up points, though, especially – I mean, this is probably the best group of wide receivers that Tom Brady has ever had in his entire career. You know, in regards to the defense, though, it's not Bill Belichick, but shout-out to New York. Todd Bowles is their defensive coordinator. And I will say that he's not amazing, but the blitzes he does draw up with the scheme and players that they have, I was very high on the Giants drafting Devin White a few years ago. I really wanted him, but he got a lot out of Shaquille Barrett last year. So you match the upside on the defensive line with Barrett, who almost led the league in sacks last year. If it wasn't for Chandler Jones, absolutely blowing through people. If he repeats that season, that's a very scary defense to give Brady because again, the Bucks won seven games last year despite all those lapses from Jameis and all the other turnovers that we're not even accounting for. I just think if they can come up with sacks and get them off the field every now and then, the offense will take over and win enough games. So then let me ask you a question. If Tom Brady was still on the New England Patriots, what record are you giving them? I'd probably have to say I think they could win 10 games, 9, 10 games. Any, any team with Brady should easily be able to win 9, 10 games. There's no doubt. And you're a playoff team. If you're saying Brady makes you a playoff caliber team, that's 9, 10 wins. No doubt. I'm, I'm going to give Murph the floor because I can't remember the last time that New England's won only 9 games. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, 11 is normally the cusp, but yeah. So because my thing is if you're giving a Tom Brady-led New England team 11 wins, and if you think that the defense is just as good, why can't Tampa Bay also be an 11-12 win team? I mean, they can. I just think they're in a harder division. I think the Patriots and Murph can get the floor after this, but the Patriots were waxing their division for a very long time. If Brady was there, most of their wins are going to come against the Dolphins, the Jets, and probably splitting against the Bills. You got to go to New Orleans now. You got to go against Atlanta. Carolina won't be a wash, even though they're not that great. Just think they're going to have a little bit harder competition. Plus, it's a new system for him. So, I'm not going to write 11 wins, but nine. A lot more dome games for Tom Brady. He doesn't have to play outside in those elements anymore, though, either. Very true. Hey, I can see it. I can see it. I sprinkled the futures on them um, as soon as he signed. So, I do think they have the pieces to do it. It's very difficult to do that in one year. So, I don't think they could actually pull it off. But 
I could I wouldn't be surprised if they get past the Saints. I think the Saints window is definitely closing. Those guys are so snake bitten with bad luck. The fact that they've been able to do it for this long, it's only a ticking time bomb on when they're not going to win the division. Okay, Murph, you're free to talk now. I'm just not buying it, man. Not buying it. Eight and eight. That's that's what I'm giving them. I I, I love Tom Brady, man, but I saw so much Tom Brady last year that wasn't Tom Brady that I know. And I, I just I saw that dude pushing the ball down the field like I saw Eli trying to push the ball down the field and it's just not there anymore, man. All right. Uh, Murph, let me cut you off for a second because I, I got to give you guys this quick trivia, okay? So when was the last time that the Patriots won nine games? Go ahead, guys. Give me some guesses here. Matt Castle year? No, nine they were wins, nine, nine wins or Matt less. Matt Castle was the quarterback. Unless he went 10-6. But no, they didn't it's, win the division. So it's got to be that. And if it's not that, it was like probably like 16 years ago. All right, so Murph is the closest. The last time that New England won nine games was 2002. Wow. They're going to be fun, man. And I know this isn't a New England episode, but I'm looking at the schedule right now, and they're not going to be any worse than eight and eight. New England did not make the playoffs that year, and the only other time that they missed the playoffs was the Matt Castle year, 2008, when they were 11 and five. All right, so what is the outlook then? So we talked about Tom Brady. We talked about the outlook for the Tampa Bay um, Buccaneers. What are your thoughts on the wire, uh, running back position? All right, so Murph, I know that you have some thoughts about this. I mean, what's your opinion, Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn? Um, well, from dynasty standpoint, I know you agree with me. Everybody's overdrafting the shit out of Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I don't understand where that hype came from. I know he's a college running back that played in the SEC, but I think you and I looked it up, and he didn't catch more than 30 balls in college over four years. And I believe he went to Illinois before Vanderbilt. I'm still on the Rojo train, dude. Still riding that thing hard. Um, I think that he's going to get all the opportunities this year, get a little bit out in space and be able to catch some balls from Brady. Um, But I will tell you, whoever wins this – Running back position, as far as shares go, is is probably going to be a nice add in Dynasty because check down Brady, man. Whoever it is is going to have to be able to catch the ball for sure. After that, who else they got? They got Vaughn. They got Rojo. Um, Dare. They got Shady McCoy now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they got Shady. But I'm not I mean, buying that either. I'm not hey, buying shit on Shady. I am buying Shady in every – oh, wait. No. What I think interested? Shady will probably get in on some third – Third down, passing downs, but they're he's going to split that role with Dare. Shady couldn't even figure it out on Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, dude. So, I, that's exactly. And they gave him ample opportunities. I think Rojo is the guy to have. I really think Rojo is the more complete back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn will probably go in there to uh, pick up blocks. I know he's better at that than Ronald Jones, but I think if that's the biggest knock on him, Jones could easily get better than that. Um, better at that position in blocking and protecting the quarterback because that's going to be priority number one for the offense too. Yeah. You got to run the ball and you'll get the touches, but if you don't protect Brady, you're getting the fuck off the field. I'm, I'm sure that's a mutual concept. Let's stay in Florida. All right. Let's do that. It's nice and warm down here, right? We've already we'll been here. Let's stay one more week. That's it. You know what? COVID or nothing. Who cares? You know what? We're partying. So let's move over to the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I know the Miami Dolphins. This has always been a dread to talk about the Miami Dolphins every year. But this is an exciting year. This is different, right? They now have a quarterback in Tua. 
They have probably the right head coach in place in Brian Flores. What are we thinking about the Miami Dolphins heading into the season, starting with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, Fitzmagic is my guy, and he's never going to not be my guy. And I'm still going to pick him That's up. That's only because you look like Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, it's because he also won me a championship last year, and I was streaming quarterback. So that's my guy th- throughout. No matter what he does, that's still my guy. It's, especially because last year was the year he also decided to do the whole change and the jacket during the interview. It was such a fun ride. Anyways, I think they're going to start with him. I think they're going to start with Fitzpatrick, but it might not last too long. I think Tua then get the job, especially because he checked out physical-wise um, with that report coming out. I'm excited to see Tua. As much as I just stated that I love Fitzmagic, I'm really looking forward to see Tua play. He's someone I followed since he was in high school, and I think he has all the intangibles to be a very good, accurate quarterback. Um, And he lit it up in Alabama. Will Miami be the place for him? Who knows? Because I think, granted, I think they've done a lot to turn the page. They're definitely still missing a lot of pieces. Um, And it's not going to happen this year, but... I think you'll see Tua take a step forward in terms of putting the haters on notice that I think he's going to be an NFL viable quarterback. I'm big on Tua too, man. Um, I mean, from a play, football player standpoint, I love the dude. From a fan standpoint, I would have been very, very, very nervous taking him just because of the injury history and literally only because of the injury history. But I think they're going to be okay. Um I'm excited for the Dolphins, man, and not only because, you know, Tom Brady era has ended in New England. You know, I think the Dolphins are definitely headed in the right direction for the first time in maybe my life. I think Flores really has a, a stronghold on the team. Um, you know, you, you saw them competing every single week last week uh, or last year on Sundays. Um, it's just it feels different in Miami for me. I like the Breda edition. I'm buying him high in fantasy right now. I think he could be a nice little back out of the backfield for Tua. Um, and then they got Jordan Howard too, man. I mean, Jordan Howard is, I believe, didn't we look this up, Mage? He's like 26 years old still. He's super young. And um, I believe he's younger than that. Yeah, he he's super young, and he's he's been in the league for a while now, and he. Isn't a pass catching back, but no, Mage is gonna get all mad because he's gonna wrong defunct my theory on that. Wrong. But I, I like the guy. I think he's a hard nosed runner. Fake news. Yeah, whatever, dude. Fucking, he's gonna go into his his tangent now. But um, no, all in all, I like what they've done in Miami. I think Devontae Parker is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league. Other than that, though, um, they're gonna have a little bit of a a little bit of work to do in the wide receiver room. All right. So I did look it up. Jordan Howard is 25 years old. So nice and young and juicy. Just the way you like him. Huh, <laughs> to settle this, I just put my foot in the Jordan Howard camp. I, I think Jordan Howard. I don't give a I, fuck. Well, I'm just letting you know. I, I think he has the most touchdown potential on this team in terms of a goal line guy. He'll be the guy who, who, who will vulture the touches. And he was an accomplished thousand yard back to back season runner in Chicago. I think he, he has the intangibles to be a successful running back, although it hasn't necessarily yards in one season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh I think he can put it together and actually put together a nice camp for uh Miami this year. Whereas Brita, I think he'll have the same role as he did in San Francisco a little bit. He'll have a couple good fantasy games, but I just don't see the consistency. 
So also to debunk Murph's theory about Jordan Howard not being a pass catching back. You can't catch a cold, dude. So, all right. Matt Breida in his first year, 58 We're not talking about Matt Breida, bro. Yeah, you were, right? So shut your mouth when I'm talking to you. <laughs> 58.3% catch rate. Then, obviously, it improved. So he, he had an 87.1% catch rate, 86.4. How many targets? How many catches? Uh, for Breida, Breida had... 31 targets, 27 catches, 22 targets, 19 catches. Okay? You good? You got that? All right. Moving over to Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's first year, 58% catch rate. Right in line. Same with uh, Breida. 32 targets, 23 catches. 26 targets, 20 catches. 14 targets last year, 10 catches. He had a catch rate, 71%, 76%, 71%. Is Matt Breida the better pass catcher? Yes. Is Jordan Howard horrible? Can he not catch a cold? Absolutely wrong. That's false. He's just not a pass catcher. He doesn't get involved in it. I agree. But, again, when you look at it with Chicago, Chicago had Tariq Cohen. With Philadelphia, I mean, they just – I mean, he only received 119 touches last year for 525 yards. He still averaged 4.4 yards per carry. So, and then they had the platoon there. They had Miles Sanders. They had Scott. So, he wasn't really involved in the passing game. I think Jordan Howard is one of running backs that are, is probably shitted on the most in terms of what they're capable of. And it's just been, honestly, game script and bad planning by coaching. I'll give you that. He's been in some shitty situations. But still, I mean, Tino highlighted his 2,000-yard seasons. I, in the first year, he averaged over five yards a carry. He averaged over four yards a carry in his second year. He went down the third year, a, a little on the four, and then he averaged over four yards per carry last year again. Again, that is three rush attempts for every first down. That's what you want out of your running back. If you can run the ball three times and pick up a first down, that's what you're looking for. Where's down the defense, prolongs drives. Jordan Howard is perfect for that scheme. It was back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, too. And he almost had a third. He was really close yeah. to having a third. I-, I think he can put it together for Miami this year, but I'm not trying to shit on Murph. I do think Breida could easily do it, too. It's the Dolphins. I, I don't anticipate what, the Dolphins being – talk about health, Matt Breida's another one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. When you talk about that, Kalen Balazs, Patrick Laird is starting to sound a lot more appealing, too. Kalen <laughs> Balazs is a fucking bomb. Yes, they are. He's done so. But my point is, yeah, you can play the injury game, uh, you know, all day long. I'm sure any of those guys, if they're healthy, are going to do work on the Dolphins just because someone's got to. Other than Preston Williams, who was a guy we didn't really highlight, I also think he's underrated. But Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, I don't see uh, much else on this offense aside from the quarterback room to get too excited about. Albert Wilson opted out. So who do we believe is going to be the third wide receiving option on this team? everybody's loving Gary Jennings because he was practicing with two in the offseason. You have Isaiah Ford, and you got Jakeem Grant, who actually got a new contract, I believe, last year it was. So who is the third option on this team? So I had Ford last year on my teams, and he really came on strong with his opportunities last year and the last four weeks. But Mage made a really good point that, you know, they they paid Jakeem. So – 
Uh, I think it's going to be between both of those guys. I don't know. I'm picking both of them up in all my leagues right now, honestly. I like Jakeem Grant. Not to cut you off, Mage. I like Jakeem Grant, but I, I wanted to backtrack and take my words back. Mike Isecki is someone to get excited about on this offense. I lied. I do like him as a pass catcher on this team, especially with what we just described. They don't really have a wide receiver three, so I would look to him to be that for them. Nice red zone target for him, too. Guys, you have anything, uh, any uh, parting last words? We made it. We made it. We did we it. We did it all. Couple more weeks till September 10th, baby. Then it's time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for Murph's Brainchild, the dog days of summer. There was a lot of content that we had to burn through. So we wanted to wrap this up because we actually got back to live sports. COVID didn't keep us down for too long, but it did keep us down long enough and we were struggling for content. So this was a nice way for us to incorporate a lot of our listeners, engage a lot of our listeners, get a lot of different fan bases involved. So I really appreciate Murph for coming up for this. Tino, thank you for joining us. And again, please stay tuned as we get to live sports. So that is going to wrap up our Dog Days of Summer. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Peace and love, everyone.